The mission of St. John is to love God, love others, and make disciples. Love God, love others, make disciples. Let's say that together. Love God, love others, make disciples. To share the mission statement of St. John's, which was unveiled for the first time last Sunday, the mission of St. John's Episcopal Church is to love God, love others, and make disciples. We believe that love transforms lives. Love rooted in the life and teachings and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us in his great commandment to love God and love neighbor. And Jesus tells us in his great commission to make disciples of all nations. Disciples practice Jesus' way of love. Today's lesson from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is easily one of the most beautiful and most well-known and most misunderstood passages of Holy Scripture. Its topic is love. Turn to someone next to you and say that word. Now, do it again to someone else, but say it in a much deeper voice. Love. Now, lastly, use a high-pitched voice. Some of you are better at that than others. And here again, St. Paul gives voice to some of these beautiful verses that Theodore read so well for us. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Raise your hand if you've heard that passage before. Where have you tended to hear that passage? Yes, this passage has a very long association with weddings and with romantic love. Uh, how many of you have this read at your wedding? Anyone? Raise your hands. Okay, a few hands there. That's perfectly fine. Wait, now wait a second. <laughs> but if you look closely at this passage, if you look more closely, you can see that it's actually talking about something more radical, something more enduring, something more steady than the delights and joys of romantic feeling. But before we get into that, I have to tell you about this young man who came to the parish office on Friday. He was seeking advice about his relationship with his girlfriend. He sat down. He said, Father, my girlfriend works at the zoo. She's a keeper. I said, that's nice. He said, Father, I like to tell my girlfriend, show my girlfriend who's boss. So I hold a mirror up to her face. They don't get any better, folks. I said, well, that's cute, but we really should talk about the power dynamics in your relationship. 
And he said, Father, I, I told my girlfriend she draws her eyebrows too high. She looks surprised. <laughs> now, some of you are not surprised at how awful these jokes are. But it's only February, right? So, several more months to go. But more seriously, some of you may be surprised to hear that 1 Corinthians 13 is not chiefly about romantic love. Though 1 Corinthians 13 has vast, vast, vast implications for Christian marriage and for Christian romantic relationships. And as we sneak toward Valentine's Day, for those of you in a relationship, you may wish to sit down with your partner, with your spouse, and talk about the vast implications of 1 Corinthians 13. You may want to take a look at that. For your relationship. Dr. James Boyce, who is a biblical commentator, has this to say about 1 Corinthians 13. Quote, This, one of the most beautiful and loved pieces in the New Testament, the task will be to rescue a reading that has gained so close an association with weddings and married love. Its placement here in chapter 13 makes clear that it is a vision of the love that characterizes the caring community that is the gift of the Spirit in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is not talking about Christian marriage per se. It is talking about the Christian community's love. It's talking about the local church's love. The love described in this passage is the other-oriented, Holy Spirit-infused kind of love that you and I are called to demonstrate as disciples of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13 is not, per se, talking about Christian marriage. It's talking about the Christian community, what it's supposed to look like. Love from a Christian perspective is primarily a choice, not a feeling. Love from a Christian perspective is primarily a choice, not a feeling. Now, feelings are super important. You and I should not ignore them. Feelings can be exhilarating. Feelings can be agonizing. And we should seek to cultivate good feelings. But feelings are fickle foundations for commitments of all kinds. Because they come and they go. Thus the absolute importance, the absolute centrality of love as a lifestyle, as a virtue, as a habit, as a choice. And this love from a Christian perspective is a choice you and I can only make with the help of God and the help of God's people. Like with football, Christianity is a team sport. You cannot play by yourself. You cannot gain yards. You cannot achieve touchdowns by yourself. And while we're on the subject, how many of you are hoping the Rams win? How many of you are hoping the Patriots win? We need to have more support for the Patriots, no bias as someone from Connecticut. Yankee, wow, I heard that. <laughs> you have to be third generation born to be an official Yankee, and I am. <laughs> Love from a Christian perspective is primarily a choice. Now, if you're sitting there going, I don't know about that. Well, let's look at the passage again. Just a little bit of the passage here. Do you normally feel your way into being patient? Do you normally feel your way into being kind? 
Do you normally feel your way into not boasting, not being arrogant, not being rude, and not insisting on your own way? Well, maybe once in a while. Maybe once in a while. But I will submit to you that you and I usually feel our way into being rude, arrogant, and insisting on our own way. So when it comes to the real thing of life, over the long haul, whether it's loving those near you, loving those around you, or loving those far from you, you have to do more than feel your way into loving. You have to choose to love. 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about a local church family choosing to love each other despite their squabbles. And i got to tell you, the church in Corinth had a lot of squabbles and a lot of problems. A lot of problems. And yet here it is in the Bible for us. For our review and for our example. Now, here's some examples that will come home this point to you. Some of you have been in these examples. When the baby cries at 2 a.m., you may not feel like getting up. You may not have tender emotions of, oh, how wonderful I'm going to get up at 2 a.m. No, but you choose love. One of your friends may be being particularly annoying, particularly getting on your nerves, and you really don't feel like dealing with them and their drama or their antics. But you want to be a friend, so you choose love. Your day, your schedule may be full, but then a friend or a family member, or even a stranger, needs your assistance. It's going to throw the whole day off. You're like, oh. But you choose love. In our best moments, with God's help, in those kind of situations, you and I, we choose love. Survey. How many of you find choosing love in those kind of situations is easy? Raise your hand. How many find that choosing love is hard? Raise your hand if you wish a free trip to Paris. Oh, Paris. Does anyone remember Pepe Le Pew? Oh, good. If you don't know who Pepe Le Pew is, find out. It's not a Canadian thing, though. He does show up in Canada. He does show up in Canada. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from Pepe Le Pew for now, but he'll be our, our spring ser- sermon series, Pepe Le Pew. But yes, choosing love can be incredibly... Oh, it can be so hard. But there is a secret. There's a secret to loving your neighbor, to loving others. In fact, I shared that secret with you just about exactly one year ago from today, my first Sunday at St. John's, and my first sermon at St. John's. I shared the secret. Anyone remember? Anyone remember? No? Well, sort of. Liking is optional. Love is required. Liking is optional. Love is required. Let's say it together. Liking is optional. Love is required. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. If you were here. Now, folks, that's just the start, though. That's just that's just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. In order to see lives transformed by love, you and I are going to have to learn Jesus' way of love. We're going to have to become students of that way. We're going to have to be trained in that way. We're going to have to learn the habits and spiritual practices that sustain the ability to love that way for a lifetime. That's 
the journey of discipleship. That's the journey of Christian faith. That's what it's about. That is what we are to be doing here at St. John's. Bishop Curry, in his royal wedding sermons, I'm most impressed with how he keeps smiling. I mean, his dentist must be just really happy. In the royal wedding sermon, Bishop Curry said this, We were made by a power of love, and our lives were meant and are meant to be lived in that love. That's why we are here. That, folks, is why St. John's is here. And that's why you and I are here on this planet, to love and be loved. Now, Christian love is, can be radically hard because it's steady, it's enduring, it's radical. But with God's help, as a family of disciples, you and I can learn to love in this Jesus-like way. So, by the power of the Spirit, choose love. This moment, this afternoon, always. Amen.